It's Girl the Heck Up. Good morning and grace and peace. So, you know, I was thinking about, you know, reparations and how reparations has entered the conversation in politics recently. And um, it's crazy to me. Um, yeah, I will, brother. Good morning. Good morning. Yo, it's crazy to me how people think the government and white people owe black people more than black people. So I don't mean for this to be any type of clickbait or anything like that. But the title of this broadcast is Reparations, What's Owed to Black People? But very seldom, if ever, do I hear a conversation about what black people owe each other and what black people owe their ancestors. Look at hip-hop music. Do you think we're doing our ancestors justice? What do you owe Martin Luther King and Malcolm X? Right. Okay, so you can't be a heroic freedom fighter. Do you even read their books? Do you even listen to their speeches on YouTube? Do you know what the fundamental differences in strategy were between uh, Martin and Malcolm's philosophy or Booker T. Washington and W.E.B. Du Bois? Like, do you even know? You know, you know, for a long time, very, you know, and it's not just racial. I've, I've had very little respect for people who spend a significant amount of time complaining about circumstances and conditions, but yet nothing in their life outside of their Twitter talk and outside of their video yapping on YouTube demonstrates that they actually are willing to put their hands to the plow to affect change in any of these areas. And I just treat everybody like that. That's not just like, you know, you're talking about race. What are you doing? I mean, you're talking about the environment. What are you doing? You know what I'm saying? So I, I like, you know, I want to put everything on that scale and I put my, I put myself on that scale as well. Um, you know, when, when something boils you up and burns you up, you know, it, it's not a bad idea to take an inventory and search your life to see how consistent this anger is, how righteous this indignation is, man. And um, I've just been thinking about that. Like the, the whole conversation is about what black people are owed. But culturally speaking, culturally speaking, I don't see a demand or a conversation that says, hey, black man, you owe your brother respect. You owe your you owe you owe your sister respect. Right? Cardi B shouldn't exist. Even though Cardi B is Latina and all of that, she's in black culture. You can switch it, Cardi, Nikki, Lil' Kim. That shouldn't exist. If you want to talk about what black people are owed, how is it that we demand more respect from other people, more uh contrition and humility and understanding? from white people and the government for history and all of that, but we don't put that same demand on each other. That's why black philosophy as it stands right now, I'm not, I'm, I'm with very little of it. I'm with very little of it. Cause I don't respect it. You understand? Do I, I, and I hope I don't have to keep saying this, but I meet plenty of white people that are losers. So I don't have any idea about white people or any race being superior in any way. I believe in superior decisions. I believe in superior choices. I believe in superior lifestyles. And, you know, some people aren't comfortable with that either, but, you know, what people are comfortable with, the, you know, sometimes people are not comfortable with the way things sounds, but they make decisions based on that every day. Cardi B, for instance, drug some, you know, was drugging men and robbing them. You know, some of you would never do that because you think you have a better way. 
right? You think your way of earning money is superior to hers. And it's not because she was in dire circumstances. You know, I know people who uh, were in tight circumstances and made bad decisions. I know people who were in worse circumstances than that and didn't make those same bad decisions. There's no excuse. Excuse me. There's no excuse for anyone, even if there's understanding. But that's the question I want to ask you today. I want you to think about that. Look across the landscape of our culture. Look across the landscape of our media. Look at the look at look at the plethora of heroes that we have in the spotlight, so-called fighting for racial justice and equality or whatever race pimping thing that they're fighting for. Why don't they put a demand on uh, on each other? Why don't we put a demand on our own people? You know, and racism is still real. I heard two white supremacist dudes were shooting. Uh, they shot two shots in the direction of two biracial kids and, you know, and, and called them racial slurs and all of that. I know racism is very real, but you know what else I see also? White people are paying a penalty for racism at a very quick rate like never before. Um, and for some, that may not be a consolation, but I, I, I've noticed that. Like, you see the barbecue back, you do something racist and somebody screenshots you and put your business out there, it's, it's, it could be a wrap for your whole entire life. You know, so, so, so the real racism that exists is being dealt with more than ever. You know, to what degree we still have to go, that's not a, you know, that's not a judgment I make. I just want you to keep that in mind, right? This is not like, you know, people, people are saying mean things on Twitter and losing their jobs, Right. Like politicians, you understand, are, are saying things on Twitter and losing their position and their stature. And it, like like that's a level of accountability that black people don't. I mean, maybe we don't realize that, you know, we're so traumatized by it that we don't stop to think that, yo, look how many consequences, you know, you it's, it's not that easy to be open racist anymore like it used to be. You know what I'm saying? And I'm grateful for that. So now let's turn that around and ask black people, what do you owe each other? What do you owe each other? I, I jumped in the um, I jumped in in the whip this morning, and you know, sometimes I just put the radio on and scan it. I'm mostly listening. I don't really listen to the radio, but if I do, I'm now listening to talk radio. <laughs> yes, I'm listening to conservative radio. Um, um, hey, thank you for that. So, I press play. I, I turn on the station. Breakfast Club is on here in Houston. And then the first song, he said, oh, we'll be right back. First song that comes on is like, oh, I drink till I'm drunk. And I'm like, wow, this is the number one syndicated radio station with black American millennials, I'm sure. And like how many kids we know are listening on the way somewhere? How many black folks are listening to that on the way somewhere talking about I drink till I'm drunk? Like, that's what you're listening to in the morning. Hey, this is why you got the this is why you got to run your race and I got to run mine because I was listening. I turned that off straight away and put on Grant Cardone. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, man. So, you know, it all boils down to choice, man. But but I just want you to consider that today in the conversation about reparations and what black people are owed. If you are black, I want to ask you, what do you owe Malcolm X? What do you owe Martin Luther King? What do you owe Carter G. Woodson? What do you owe Marcus Garvey? What do you owe Harriet Tubman? What do you owe W.E.B. Du Bois? What do you owe these people who literally sacrificed some of their lives and their livelihood and their well-being and their comfort for us as black people in America? Uh, to have what it is that we have they had way less opportunity way you you, you want to talk about fighting for education they couldn't pull up youtube and youtube and learn anything 
They couldn't just open up their phone and learn another language for five, ten minutes a day. What do you owe these people who sacrifice for you talking about the government owe you reparations while you sitting up there overweight with all your streaming services and your fancy sneakers and you're eating out every day and you going to Starbucks talking about you're some kind of oppressed individual. I see you as a weak person. I used to be a weak person. I'm still weak in a lot of areas. I don't have any, you know, I don't have any qualms with that, brother. I, I look at my own life and I'm like, yeah, you're a weakling right there, bro. You need to step that up. You know, that's how I talk to myself and my wife would tell you, and I'm not on my wife like that. Like she's supposed to be me. I'm like, oh, man, missed it again today. She's like, oh, you do better next time. I'm like, yeah, I know, man. But, you know, like I'm, you know, I'm coaching myself. Um, So, you know, forgive me if I don't understand people who say that they're oppressed and they're doing the least. You know, it's just not a, it's just not a way of life I can respect. Yeah, so I don't know if the connection is bad, but, you know, some of you will catch this on the replay. Ask yourselves that. What do we owe each other? And I'm not talking about money because there's a lot of rich and famous black people. But think about these people in hip-hop music that make all of this money. What do they owe our community? That word, that's what they owe our community? Cardi B? Word, Tatiana? Y'all heard that song? That's what that's what black people owe our community? And you keep buying this racial narrative that that's oppression. Right. Because they're oppressed. They have to be degenerates. Right. Because they're oppressed. They have to degrade women. Right. Okay. Well, that sounds inferior to me. Yeah. Sounds inferior to me. When I was making inferior decisions, no one was making me. And I think my case is, 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 a, is a good one because I didn't grow up having. I had friends who my man, he had to sell crack or else he didn't eat for real because his moms were smoking crack. And I had people who live well and their parents bought them everything and they still went and got in trouble. You know what I mean? I was somewhere in the middle. Like I'm refrigerator was never empty, never was starving or none of that. Never worried about my next meal. Went to private school for a couple of years. Got a better education because of it too. Um, and then what? What did I do? I wanted to be down. I wanted to be cool. My dad wasn't there. I needed affirmation. I needed somebody to approve of me. I needed male leadership and acknowledgement and camaraderie. So I hit the streets, not because I had to. Not because I had to, because I made inferior choices. I made foolish decisions. Nobody in my house was with these foolish decisions. I chose that. I chose that. So before we talk about if I would have had a felony and couldn't get a job, let's talk about why I thought being a criminal was okay. Yeah. Somebody asked me what the name of the podcast I was listening to again. Which, which podcast are you talking about? Somebody said, I remember a wise thing you said, only reparations we can achieve is education. I mean, man, I saw a house yesterday from some people who had to leave. My goodness. I'm just saying degenerates come in all sizes, shapes, and colors. You know what I, you know what I mean? And, and you, know, you know, I heard Shelby Steele, a conservative voice that I respect. You should check out Shelby Steele. Um, he said, freedom is a scary thing. It puts the onus on you, you know, being free. He said, he said, he, he, he said something to the effect of black people have had to learn to persevere and endure and have incredible amounts of ingenuity under duress and oppression, you know? Um, but now we're at a point where many of us have a freedom that we don't know what to do with. Listen, man. 
the jig is up, fam. I was telling somebody yesterday that, you know, this whole, like, we don't know how to be fathers. It's all we've ever seen. No, we've seen Barack Obama, fam. You heard? Like, cut it out. Like, you know what I mean? And and this whole thing that this is all we've ever seen. Like, you think if you grew up in the hood, there are no good example? You think everybody's a criminal there? Nobody's working hard? Nobody has morals or values? What a crock. What a crock. Man, listen, man. You better get a book on parenting or something. You better watch Dr. Phil every day. Something. Something. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Because there's no one coming to save you. Reparations don't save you from, um, reparations won't save you from, uh, the troubles that come with being broken inwardly, you know, and we talked about God yesterday in one of the chats I'm in and I told somebody, I said, look, man, it was, you know, you want to talk about freedom being scary. It was scary for me. Cause I came up very as, as a Christian, I was taught to really put stock in the word of God and you understand to know that word to because the world was full of deception. So you need to know the truth in order to discriminate from truth and deception and all of that. Right. And, you know, but I was also taught to depend on God for things that God was waiting on me to do. And so the things that we talk about and even some of the church, you know, oh, nothing can fix this but God. Some of that is false because people are fixing it every day without God. You don't need God. To, listen, you don't ask God to tie your shoe unless you got back problems. Once you learn, you thank God that you can tie your shoe, perhaps. You're grateful that you can use your body. But you don't say, oh, Lord, help me open this refrigerator. And, of course, that's very much oversimplified. But there are things in life like that. that some, like, like some of us have been handed down a religion that had to be practiced under oppression. Oh my gosh. And so now that you're not oppressed, you don't realize two, three generations back, you're still practicing the same version of oppressed religion. Thinking that you can't go here, you can't do this, there's an invisible ceiling, and you've never been taught to crack it. You've only been taught how to navigate under it while you just eke out a living and make the most of what you have because there's only so much you can do. You know, and sometimes the people who have handed us this religion that's capped, they didn't lie to us. They told us their truth. You know, every time I tell my grandmother about something new that I'm trying to do, not every time, but quite a few times where I tell her about a billion dollar industry, she'd be like, oh, there's money in that? You can make money doing that? You know, like, she doesn't even know this world that we live in right now. And some of us don't either. Some of us don't either. We have a religion that we are practicing that has been passed down under oppression. And so some of those modes of operation are still woven into the way we practice our faith right they didn't do it to us on purpose but it's just it's just what it is make the most of every day man make the most of your time make the most of your opportunity oh the person you mentioned on after you turned off the breakfast club no it wasn't a podcast it was a book i, I turned on a grant cardone books so i got an innumerable amount innumerable amount of books on my phone now, um, on my phone, in my Audible, you know, it's just what it is. We have a uh, a new chat we started, public library, on Telegram. You know, Telegram is our app. Yeah, man, it's it's it, it's really. I I just can't get with it. You know, it it's hard. Listen, you guys not listen to Ben Shapiro. I love Ben Shapiro. You know. There's only so much I can expect from people who don't live my life. Like most black people I meet cannot quote 
Malcolm X. Most black people I meet cannot quote black leaders. What expectation do I have of a white person that didn't grow up in the hood? What expectation do you have? Like this, this idea that people should empathize to a certain degree, be careful with that. Most people, I'm, I'm, listen, man, I, listen, everything I'm about, I bring in the door with me. I got a barber, right? But when he's not available, I got to find a new barber shop. So I end up jumping around because I haven't found an alternate barber shop that I'm like totally cool with. Every time I go in the barbershop, the conversation is the same. Rap and sports. Sit. The sit. Maybe you get a little anti-Trump joke or something like that. Or some Barack in there. It's all you know, Barack is one of the greatest, you know, political entertainment figures. So you know he's gonna be in the conversation or something like that. Like, come on, man. Who like what well, come on? I can't. I, I, most people I encounter, let, uh, let, let's let's we make this just a black thing, right? Most patriots I encounter can't quote the founding fathers. Most patriots I meet think this country was founded on Christian Christian principles. You know, it's the same thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Most people have ideas, you know, that they haven't necessarily thoroughly vetted. So my expectation of people to empathize with me to the degree that you should agree with me on race and racism all the time. How realistic is that? Americans aren't interested in reading like that. My man got a Christian barbershop in the H and he's nice. All right, let me know. Let me know. I'm closer to the north. Um, but let me know if it's close. I'll try him out, bro. I definitely will. So, man, listen, man. Think about your expectations of other people. Think about the expectations you have for the government, for white evangelicals to just understand. Yeah, most people still, you know, listen, most people I talk to that are black still think black is a real thing. They don't even know white people made it up. White people too, you talk to them, they'd be like, oh, it's racist in the Bible. Like, the Bible talks about races. <laughs> they don't know that race and ethnicity originally wasn't built on just people having the same outward appearance. So I'm, I'm just saying, man, I don't, and I don't mock anybody for what they don't know. But I do have a low expectation of, you know, like if I have information that people might be interested in, I'm willing to share. But this whole expectation that white people got to feel you and know what it's like, and you never know what it's like to be black. I listen to me, fam. There are black people growing up in the suburbs that will never know what it's like to grow up in the project. So to make the black experiment, uh, the black experience such a monolith is not honest. It's not honest. And to say that prejudice and racism is so overwhelming day in and day out that whether you grow up in the projects or you grow up in the suburbs or you grow up in a rich place, it's always going to be the same. That's just not the truth, man. That's just not the truth. My wife is white and Mexican and we have different ideas on on how the police interact with us. Because since I've come here, like the police have been great. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, I, I, I tell you guys, I got pulled over a couple times. I didn't have the right paperwork and I wasn't always in the right. I was riding dirty for a minute while I was down here. I would get pulled over. The cops would show mercy. It was white cops treating me with dignity and respect. That's my experience. I can't, I can't make my experience something it wasn't, right? But my wife is white and Mexican, grew up in a certain place down here and said, 
most of her encounters with police officers have been horrible and they've been unfair and condescending and disrespectful and all of that. And I, I, I got a little joke that I've been saying I've become that black guy like, are you sure? Like, were you, were you guys doing anything? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, you know, we, we joke like that. I know her experiences are real. Um, but then now we have a conversation in our marriage where I'm asking her now. I'm like, you've been pulled over by, with the police. You've been pulled over by me with the police. How come that attitude you experience in your former life doesn't happen with me? And she's like, well, I don't know. Maybe it's the area we in. I'm like, oh, maybe. Right? Maybe, you know, we're not getting pulled over in high crime areas. So, you know, people's, people's experiences are not monolithic. You have no idea. You have no idea what's in someone's head. You know, my man, Chris Chicago, man, I used to work for on Engine Radio. You know, someone accused him of uh, something racial. Like, they don't like, like, when, when, when he uses, like, hip-hop language and stuff like that. They don't know that man lived with a black family in high school, was protesting for civil rights when he was a kid, and he's a white dude that looks white, sounds white, talks white. You, you Like, you don't know. You don't know what's in someone's head. You don't know what someone's, what's in someone's past based on the way that they look. Life is way less monolithic than it ever has been. So turn your negative into a positive, guys. I'm out. If you think the government owes you reparations, ask yourself what do black people owe each other? What do black people owe our ancestors? It's not hip-hop music. It's not the hip-hop music we're making right now. It's Grow the Heck Up. Yeah. Grow the Heck Up. Why don't you give me something that'll 